When the Spaniards came to the New World, particularly uh, in areas of Central America, they encountered the Aztecs, and they encountered that one of the practices of the Aztecs was to take uh, certain selected victims um, up to the top of their pyramids uh, to rip their hearts out and then toss their bodies down the pyramids. Human sacrifice. And there were certain times, historically it's difficult to tell how many uh, you know, thousands and thousands of people were killed in this fashion, but um, there were certain notable times where the bodies would just be piled at the, at the base of the pyramid. And of course, uh, you know, at that time, uh, certainly the Spanish would have, would have all been Catholic. And so when they witnessed this, they, I think rightly, you know, evaluated this and said, what barbarism this is. How could a culture do this? How could this culture, something must, they must need something fixed, their understanding of, of the human person or something, because clearly a culture that would kill people in such a fashion, there's something wrong with it. I wonder, I don't know, a thousand years from now, when people read the histories of the 20th century, and they, they read about, especially the early, early 20th century, and they read about all of the horrors of the First World War, that went on and on and on, so many casualties, decimated Europe. And then they read about World War II and all of the horrors, not just of the war, but of the, uh, the casualties as well of war, I guess, or the, the movement of Nazism, the millions who died from that. And then they read about communism, which always leads to killing of innocents. It always has. It always leads to the oppression of its people, particularly we look at uh, Cambodia, China, Russia, etc. And all of the many ways in which people died. Millions of people. And that's only halfway through the century. And then if these people look and they say, how horrible this was for this culture, for this world, to have experienced such death and depravity. How then, at the end of the 20th century, did they end up giving every woman the right to kill her unborn child? How did that happen? And how did it happen that from 1990 to the present, according to the pro-abortion Guttmacher Institute, over a billion babies worldwide have been killed? How did the culture let that happen? What went wrong? How did they not see from their own history how, how death and the murder of the innocents ravaged the world, and yet the culture allowed 
We didn't need a war. You could just kill your own child. What mental gymnastics does one have to see? It's the same thing with something like Nazism. I mean, how does somebody have to make the mental gymnastics to, uh, to approve of, to consent to, to even cooperate in the systematic extermination of, of the Jews? You know, what kind of, you have to get into a certain, you have to really be off mentally. You have to excuse it some way. Right? You have to give it some kind of defense. Because normally people aren't going to do that. Normally, if you, if, you, if you went up to, I mean, just imagine, if you went up to a pregnant woman, oh, how far along are you? Oh, it's, just, it's early, first trimester. Oh, are you, have, are you going to abort your child? Who would do that? And yet, why wouldn't we do that? Clearly, that's something that's not only allowed, but even celebrated in certain areas of our culture. It goes against the maternal instinct, the very nature of a woman to want to kill her own child. Now, no doubt, in, in particular circumstances, um, there's force, there's fear, there's all kinds of external pressures which contribute. However, in, especially in our culture and in developed nations, it's rarely the case that somebody has to kill their child. And yet so many women will say, well, I'm glad I had an abortion. I mean, I've seen celebrities say this recently. I'm glad I had an abortion because it allowed me to pursue my career. It allowed me, I wasn't ready to have children yet, Obviously, she was ready to perform the act that got her there, but she wasn't ready to have children yet. And so, you know, she wanted to wait until she was ready. So, therefore, I killed the first one. Now, the two main arguments, it seems to me, uh, for that you'll hear on the side of people who are pro-abortion or they like to say pro-choice, words matter. They have one thing in common. And the thing that you have in common with anybody who's a secularist is a war against nature. A, a desire to not call something what it is. Uh, a desire to not be able to look at a human person and just very clearly say, based on their nature, this is what I'm actually seeing. You know, right now, with, especially with gender issues, this is very obvious. You know, when a, when a boy isn't a boy and a girl isn't a girl, there's a war with nature. Well, there's a war with nature also in the defense of abortion. The first one, it seems to me, is, well, a woman should be able to do what she wants with her body. And women have been sold this and told this for decades and decades. Because of course it's men, like me, a priest, telling a bunch of other people what they should do with their bodies. You should be able to do what you want with your own body. Okay, well, number one, my job is to teach the Christian faith, not what I particularly think. 
And the Christian faith does not teach that we can do whatever we want with our body. In fact, we're supposed to preserve our life. We're supposed to, you know, treat our bodies with a certain dignity and, and reverence because it's God who has created us. So we cannot, as Christians, we could never say, I should be able to do whatever I want with my own body. But here's the deeper lie. The unborn child is not the woman's body. Every biologist knows this. I mean, anybody who studied biology knows this. That the child has a completely distinct DNA. Very early on has its own fingerprints, right? The identity. Often, very often, has its own blood type. The woman is providing, essentially, food and shelter. But the woman is not determining existence, right? It's one thing to say, you know, I'm providing food and shelter. Well, if you're a mother, when do you stop providing food and shelter? So when the child is born, now it has the right to live? Well, how long until they're actually self-sufficient? I don't know, I'm getting there and I'm 49. But you know as well as I do, it's a long time. You know, it's not like many of the other uh, animals uh, in nature where, where the, the offspring is born and very, very quickly it's somewhat self-sufficient. For the human person, this is not the case. And this is why secularists like Peter Singer will say not only should abortion be okay, but so should infanticide. Because until that child is self-determining, the parents should be able to decide its existence and should be able to even exterminate its life. When you follow the logic that the secularists put forth, it doesn't just end with abortion. It ends with infanticide, killing on demand. It logically does. Peter Singer is one of the only philosophers who's actually honest enough to acknowledge it. But the lie is that the unborn child in the womb is not itself, is not distinct from the mother. And what we really have is we really have in, in our laws a reality where it's the mother who determines whether or not the child deserves to live. It's the mother who determines whether or not the child is a person, whether it actually has dignity, as opposed to God. It's the mother who determines. Because, and this is where the hypocrisy goes, there are, there are plenty of states where, where a woman is tragically killed, a pregnant woman is tragically killed in like a, a car accident. And the one who, if they were reckless, um, caused the accident is often charged with a double homicide. So legally, because the woman wanted the child, that child's life is determined both lawful and legitimate. But presumably, if she didn't want the child, we would only charge with a single homicide, I guess. But that rarely happens. So that's the first lie, that the child is actually the woman's body. It's not. There's just no way it is. Secondly, and I think this is, this is sort of the, the more uh, enveloping lie, is that women are slaves to their biology 
and therefore to truly liberate women, we need to make sure that, number one, they, they never can get pregnant when they don't want to, and number two, that if they do become pregnant, they should be able to abort their children, lest they be a slave to their biology, lest they be attached to this child for life. God forbid they be attached to a child they don't want. And of course, adoption and all the rest are, are thrown out the window because that doesn't matter. The woman, you see, and I'm not saying this is what all women think, I'm saying this is the lie that is being told, which is women have to be able to com completely control their biology, their nature, for them to have true liberation so that they don't have to, you know, merely be barefoot and pregnant and, and all the rest as it was, or as we would call it, you know, back in the day. So women, what you're being told is you need to be at war with your nature and your own biology, and that part of your path for self-fulfillment is either directly killing your child or at least having the possibility of doing so. So the question, I guess, is, while equality between men and women, I, I mean, it should be a done issue, and I know it's not. It shouldn't even be a question anymore, but, but the, the greater question is, is it worth it? And is it even morally good to gain one's self-actualization off the dead bodies of billions of children? Or maybe there's another way. Maybe the, the pursuit of, of full equality between the sexes does not have to be attached to abortion. Can it not be achieved through other means? Now, as Catholics, what do we do? We maybe cannot change Roe v. Wade. Maybe we can, but maybe we can't. Right now, we can't. So what do we do? Well, firstly, no Catholic can claim to be a faithful Catholic and be pro-abortion. It's just not even possible. It's like saying I'm a Green Bay Packer fan and I'm going to root for the Bears. <laughs> this is a silly example, but it's so incongruent. You know, we seek to be integrated persons and we say, okay, well, if I'm going to belong to that church, well, then I should believe what the church professes. But we live in a culture where people say, well, I can, I can belong to anything I want to and then I can define it as I want to. Good luck joining the health club up the road and telling them, you know what, I don't want to pay that rate. I'd like to pay half of that. And you should just let me in. You couldn't even get into a health club by determining your own rules of engagement. Now, the church isn't that way. We don't just kick you out. But what does it say if somebody professes to be Catholic and endorses and promotes and assists with the killing of millions of innocent unborn children. It doesn't mean that they're not Catholic. 
because you're Catholic by baptism. But it means there's something amiss within us that we would assent to that. You know, as, as human persons, we need to be integrated in our faith. Our faith should not just be here, and then when we go out, we can be whatever we want. We can be secular, we can promote whatever agenda we want. Is that really what Jesus is after? Or does Jesus want us to be fully integrated as Catholics and take him and his message wherever we go? And so what can we do as Catholics? Well, number one, we should support every pregnant woman who comes through our doors or comes into our acquaintance, no matter how they became pregnant. You know, especially those difficult situations which can occur. And as a parish, and we're going to be doing this, we're going to be doing some very specific things in outreach to assist women who are in difficult situations with their pregnancies. We can look for organizations to assist, to help alleviate the pressures that lead someone to seek an abortion as a, as a, as a viable outlet for their situation. Of course, we need to pray. We need to pray for conversion. Ultimately, whether abortion is legal or not, it's, it's, it's a problem within the self and within the family. If, if people haven't been convicted of mind and heart that it's wrong, it doesn't matter if it's illegal. We need to not be afraid to be Catholic through and through. We don't have to be aggressive. We can state our positions, and we can simply just say this. If you can't remember everything you know, I've said, or your own arguments, of course, you could simply say this. Do you really think Jesus wants mothers to kill their child? Do you really think that's what Jesus wants? And if, if you say yes, I, I think you're off. But if you say no, which we probably all are going to say, well, no, of course he wouldn't want that. Okay. Then what can I do to help the situation? Maybe there's a young woman I can talk to. Maybe my own kids, I can convict them. As a priest, I can preach about it. As who knows what, we can influence other people with the good news that God has created all human life, that it's a gift from Him, and we are merely stewards of creation. We're responsible for what we've been given and eventually need to return that gift to God himself. So brothers and sisters, do not be afraid to be courageous and bold and fully Catholic.